Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, welcome to Believe in the Broncos podcast. I'm Chris Braden, and with me, he needs no introduction. 14-year NFL veteran, two-time Super Bowl champ, All-Pro, and so much more. One of my favorite Broncos, Ray Crockett. How you doing, Ray? What's going on, Chris? How's everything going in the, in the cold weather of Colorado? <laughs> it's not cold yet, but it's going to get there. And, yes, uh, indeed. I'm familiar with it. <laughs> I was complaining to my wife the other day. I go, I'm done being cold. I'm, I'm like, I'm over it. And I like to ski and stuff. In fact, my bio says Colorado boy born and bred loves to ski, but hates cold. So, <laughs> and, and, look, and those two don't go together. Yeah, <laughs> how, can you, exactly. how can you hate the cold and love to ski? I don't get it. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a fair weather skier now. I like to go in April. So I'm no excited doubt. to get this podcast kicked off with you. And like I said, you and I have run in the same quarters, but never really met in the past when you were doing your radio shows up in Denver. So, you know, obviously we want to break down week one and that nice beat down of the giants, but first of all, we haven't really talked about this and I wanted to talk to you about some of the stuff that happened in training camp, the 50 50 battle (coughs) with Teddy and drew Von Miller coming in off an injury, Cortland Sutton coming off an injury, Bradley Chubb, got his surgery late, but I guess that's kind of protocol now for that type of injury. Just kind of what was your take on training camp for the Denver Broncos this year? I mean, I thought it was a good camp for sure. They they definitely had a good camp. One thing that I really was impressed was how Fangio put the team together as far as with the draft, drafting Pat Sertain. A lot of people didn't think he would draft Sertain, thought he would go quarterback. And, uh, picking up Teddy Bridgewater, of course, to come in and compete, a veteran who, who's ready to play and, and ready to complete with Drew. And, and I think he did a really, really good job of building depth on the team. I mean, he went through and he looked at the, the positions that we needed depth at, and, and he went and got that. You look at the wide receiver position, you look at the defensive back field position, which was, you know, really, really lacking last year. You look at the line, the uh, line will bring in Von Miller back, getting Chubb back, and then add some other pieces there. I think he did a really good job as far as putting depth in the areas that we needed and upgraded in the area that we needed as well, especially if you just go to the defensive backfield. Look at the cornerbacks. A cornerback was a weak position for us last year. It was a position of need, was a position of weakness. We need to make it a position of strength, especially when you got Chubb and Von Miller up at the front, who eventually will be wreaking havoc on quarterbacks. You need some DBs who can cover just a little longer to give them those guys time to get there. And we did that by picking up Darby, by picking up Fuller, and then drafting Pat Sertain. And then you got to look at, what that does to our opposition. And that that was key for me. When you look at the guys, we have to stop in that division, talking about the Chiefs, talking about, you know, the, the Chargers and, and definitely the Raiders, our, our arch rivals. All those guys have pass catching tight ends that, that we couldn't stop, quite frankly. Right. You know, for lack of, lack of a better term, they beat us down. <laughs> and, and so now picking up Pat Sertain, 
that's a switch army knife that you can use for some of those tight ends. So I just I just really want to commend the the new general manager and commend Fangio for really dissecting this team and saying this is where we need to get stronger. Now everybody knows the big position is quarterback. And and that battle that went on in training camp, I felt was a fair battle. I felt it was it was what was needed. You know, when you have a guy like Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater coming in, when you have Drew Locke, I think both of those guys, the one thing that they need is competition. Neither one of those guys needed to be handed a, a position of, of strength and say, hey, you're our quarterback. No, you have to compete. You have to compete. You have to learn how to compete. And, and I think that was good to get those guys competing all the way through the offseason, in the training camp, through the preseason. And now naming Teddy Bridgewater, and as we saw, he was ready to go. I, I, and I think that's what helped his mindset. I think that competition in the offseason helped him get ready to perform day one. So you talked about Patrick Sertan, and there's no doubt that he is kind of a generational player. He has the opportunity to uh, be that stalwart in the secondary for the Broncos for a lot of years to come. But Justin Fields was sitting right there. What, what are your thoughts on that pick? Because, you know, in the long term, Patrick Sertan is it's like a sure thing. We know he's we're assuming he's going to be good, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, and, and that's the one thing. I I think you have to look at that position as far as cornerback is being just as valuable as quarterback. And it, it is in a lot of ways. If you if you ask, if you were to ask most of the pundits, you know, the most important positions on the football field, they would probably go quarterback, left tackle, defensive end, cornerback. Those yep. are your four positions that need – if you don't have those four guys, you are going to eventually get beat because teams know how to attack you attack you in those areas. So with that being said, I was okay with it. I was okay. If they got a quarterback, I would have been okay with that. If they got Pat Sertain, I would have been okay with that. And the reason why is, like I said, I know Kelsey, Waller, all these guys in our division that we could not stop. We didn't have that guy on our roster. We didn't have the safety that could stop those tight ends. We don't have a linebacker that could stop those tight ends. So we had to really go upgrade and say, you know what? The way you stop those guys is by getting a bigger corner who can play both positions, who can be a switch army knife, and he can help us. And I think that's just as important as having a quarterback, especially when there was a quarterback, you know, a couple of quarterbacks out there as you can see, that we could go get. And we had Drew Locke. Drew Locke is not a bad quarterback. Don't get me wrong. I think Drew Locke is an up-and-coming quarterback. I think he will be eventually be a starter in this league. And, and I, I, I think he's a, a formidable guy. So I, I don't think we were as desperate as other people thought we were at the quarterback position. I only say this only because Bowles have played better at tackle. So we have a guy there who can protect the quarterback. The line was getting better. And then around them, we got great tight ends. You know, Noah Fain is a big-time tight end. is going to be a big-time tight end. And then we had a nucleus of young receivers and a couple of running backs. And the drafting Williams really helped us as well Thank to add a dimension of running back that we didn't have as far as that guy who was at, like, Alvin Kamara, who can go catch the ball out of the backfield, give you some new explosion. So if you just look at the nucleus of our team, 
we had positions around the quarterback. So all you really needed is a quarterback who, one, will not turn the ball over, will keep us in, in the positional as far as football. That means don't switch the fields, don't give up the field position, and then don't turn it over. And then a guy that can make some plays, and Teddy can do that, as he showed you. And I told guys that Teddy, in my opinion, Teddy was two years away from being a good quarterback again, meaning after that catastrophic injury, that yeah. injury is an injury that needs two and a half years before you can really, really come back and be yourself. So I figured this is his explosion year. I really did. And I, and I felt if you just go back and look at what Teddy did in the past, he is a good quarterback. There were some times where he was a little afraid last year in Carolina. He was a little afraid to, to do some things that I was like, oh, Teddy, make this play. And he didn't, but I feel this year he's going to make those plays. And, and as you can see the first game, he already made a couple of wild plays that I know for a fact Drew Locke could not have made. Well, and I think a lot of people forget uh, Christian McCaffrey wasn't there for him probably most of the year last year for him to utilize what Christian can bring. So that had a lot to do with where he was at too, just the weapons and stuff that he had available in Carolina. Oh, definitely. And, and that's the thing that you have to look at. You have to look at, you got rule coming from my alma mater from Baylor going mm -hmm. to Carolina. I don't know if he was sure as far as what he wants to do offensively. And I don't know if he was really sold on Teddy as well. So with that being said, I, I the weapons were lacking and not only was the weapons lacking, I think the defense didn't help them a, as well. And with Christian being hurt, you're talking about he is the A number one. Look, if you were to compare the stakes, he's an A5. He's a Wagyu A5. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you don't have that A5, you just got normal stakes back there. So with, with that being said, you, you don't have your prime meat. It's hard to throw a good dinner. It's hard to have a good team. And that's what Chris, Christian McCaffrey is. He's the A5. He's the Wagyu. And they didn't have that guy. So that, that puts you behind the eight ball already. So I, I, I really look at last year for myself as far as being an analyst and looking at Teddy. I don't put a lot of judgment on him in that season because that was a growing season for him. That was a season for him where he really could say, you know what? I'm back. Like, I'm really that guy who can move around again. I'm really that guy who can make defensive ends miss and, and shake guys up and still get rid of the ball. I'm that guy again. So I was looking forward to seeing what he did this offseason, this training camp preseason. I was looking forward to seeing him perform. I think really as a Broncos fan, Broncos country, we're kind of tired of this 50-50 battle whether it's trevor and paxton and like and then last year you know that they just gave drew lock the job and honestly it just seemed like kind of a covid year for drew lock i mean uh, who are you gonna go get you know what i mean i guess there were some guys they could have could have brought in the blake bortles idea did not work out very well he didn't kind of coach up uh drew so this year whether you're a drew guy or a teddy guy there is no doubt that teddy bridgewater is a top-notch human being, like yeah, and, an amazing and not man. Only that. Yeah, and not only that. Here's the thing: like you said, I, I'm I'm sure Broncos country is tired of the roller coaster, tired of the up and down, tired of each year. You know, since Peyton has left, we haven't mm -hmm. had a formidable quarterback as of yet. I, I I don't know. There's probably been ten or twelve different quarterbacks under center since Peyton has left. So it's one of those things where I think 
Broncos country was more so just eager to get a guy to say, this is our quarterback. And, and whether that be through the draft or whether that be Teddy in this, this competition thing, I think Broncos country is just ready to say, you got to think, man, you had John Elway. Then you Heck go yeah. for John Elway. You have Greasy who, who stood around for a little bit. And even bit. Jake Plummer a little bit. Yeah, and then Jake Plummer. So you had some, some quarterbacks that you can say, this is our guy. And then after Peyton, we just didn't have that. We've had, this is I got, no, that's I got, no, that's I got, no, this I got, no, that may be I got. No. So <laughs> right now, they just want somebody to say, this is our guy. And I, and I think Teddy won that position fair and square. So right now, at least for this year, and, and, and maybe even next year, you know, you, you can say that this is our guy. We'll have to wait and see, of course. But I'll tell you what, if week one, it, it was showing us anything, he showed us that, He's at least ready to take on that challenge. And, and I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. I'm looking forward to it. And, and I had no, as they say, no dog in the race. It didn't right. matter to me. I just wanted somebody to come out and win. And I wanted somebody to be that guy. And that's what happened. You know, so get on the Teddy Bridgewater bandwagon, man. Especially for this year. I mean, he's an easy guy to root for. And, what we've seen in game one is well, if that's anything, he's going to, he's going to protect that ball and let that defense go to work. Um, last thing I want to ask you about training camp. There was a lot of people coming off injuries, namely Von Miller, Cortland Sutton, Bradley Chubb, Von Miller looked amazing. And I think you touched on it a little bit earlier with the, the Patrick Sertan pick is that secondary covered long enough to allow Von Miller to get to the quarterback. Von looks great. Andrew Mason, and I'm sure you, I don't know if you've seen it. He put out a video today of Cortland uh, running these drills or just running routes. And he still looks a little bit hobbled. And I don't know, you know, what percent back he is 70%, 80%. I don't know what it is. Bradley Chubb is still banged up. Have you ever dealt with any injuries like before camp or during camp that just you're trying to fight through? Like what kind of mental game is that? I mean, it's really tough. I, I was fortunate enough that I, I didn't really go through many injuries in my career. I mean, I only had two really bad injuries. One was a total dislocation of my shoulder. I had a, to repair it. But then I can tell you what I what that I can relate this to was later in my career after uh, I tore my hamstring off the bone Ooh. my 12th year in Denver. And when I went to Kansas City, that, that first preseason in a training camp, I was not ready. I mean, I was probably 75, 70% ready to go. And it's tough. It's tough. Like, I can see it with, with um, Cortland. I can see him hobble a little bit. And, and, and you can expect that. I mean, he... He did well in preseason and, and put a lot of pressure on that leg, on that knee. And then the first game, put a lot of pressure on that knee. He's going to have soreness. Trust me. He's going to have an up and down year and the fans just have to get ready. Broncos country just have to understand that he's going to have to fight through this thing. It's going to be a tough, tough battle. Hopefully that, you know, everything is truly, truly intact. And, and it, it's just a matter of him getting stronger game by game by game by game. And then the key is not game day. Game day is cool because that, you know, you get your energy up and you get your endorphins going and, and all that stuff. You're jacked up in front of 100,000. Game day is easy. What's going to be hard is what you guys saw on film that uh, Andrew posted. 
the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is the hard day. <laughs> when you come back from game day after being excited and, and being 95% amped up and all that stuff, then you go back and there's no fans cheering you on. And you're like, damn, this knee still hurts, you know? So that's right. going to be the tough days is what you saw on film with him hobbled a little bit. Game day will be easy. He'll, he'll get Jack back up. He'll go and take his tour to all shot and he'll be ready to go. But as far as during the week, it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a, a mental battle up and down because there's going to be some things he wants to do at practice that he, quite frankly, probably should not do. So I could see Cortland being placed on, on a, a limited practice schedule for a little while until he gets that knee 1,000, 1,000% ready to go. And, and as you can see with Bradley Chubb, he's not even ready to go as of yet. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, he didn't play the first game. So it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing with him. And those those days after the game are the ones that, that will really get into your head and really make you say, am I ready to go? Game day, you, you can get fired up. You can do some things to get ready and your endorphins, the fans will get you hyped. You'll be ready to go. It'll be the mother days, but I, I look forward to those guys fighting through it. And you have to, it's a, it's a battle. It's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour, second-to-second battle to get back healthy. So all that work the Denver Broncos did in training camp in the preseason, everything's looking good. You mentioned it, the depth on the offense and the defense and uh, is looking good. That makes the special teams a lot better when you have that kind of depth on offense and defense. And the Denver Broncos came out on Sunday and put one on the New York Giants, Teddy Bridgewater stat line was 28 of 36 for 264 yards, two touchdowns, big one, no interceptions. Melvin Gordon had a hundred yard day. Javante Williams first real game looked great. Uh, 45 yards. He didn't average that much 3.2, but he was, he was that horse in the middle a few times, had 14 carries. And then we moved down to Vaughn had a couple of sacks. Uh, Jerry Judy was looking good. So was Noah. KJ looked great. You know, sands the drop in the end zone. The Denver Broncos on both sides of the ball just kind of dismantled the Giants this week. Yeah, it was a, it was a test. It was a good test for the Broncos. And, and luckily, it, it was a test, a, a test that they needed as far as it wasn't the Chiefs or anybody like that. It was a mid mid range test, you know. The Giants is not a great team. I'll tell you that right off the bat. They're they have not a good a defense, team. though, right? They they have a decent defense, and and they can do some things on offense. So it was a middle of the road type of test, which I think is what the Broncos needed. I, I'm glad to see the Broncos schedule the way it is because they need to grow together. They need to grow as far as a team. The coaching staff needs to grow as well as far as knowing what these new guys can do. I mean, you got to think about it. There's a, a bunch of new guys that's out there playing as far as just the secondary alone. You got you got new guys in the secondary. You got new wide receivers. And, and luckily for us, we, we, I mentioned the depth at cornerback and the depth at wide receiver is needed because we lost a, a two guys already. We lost Judy for probably a number of weeks with that high sprained ankle. And then we lost Darby with a uh, partially torn hamstring. So that depth is going to come into play right away. You know, you got guys like Patrick uh, on the other side, 
and, and KJ, KJ is going to have to step it up. Yeah, he had that drop. And let's talk about that drop just a little bit. I myself does not place, and don't hear me when I say this Broncos country, I'm not saying that it was not a drop. It was definitely a drop. Stevie Wonder could see it was a drop. But at the end of the day, I put a little bit on that on on, on Teddy Bridgewater as well, and I guarantee you Teddy does as well. He's going to tell KJ, hey, man, I should have put that ball out there a little quicker. You know, it was he was late on the throw, so the ball was a little bit behind him. Should have been on his front shoulder. It ended up going back to his uh his back shoulder. And it was not, in my opinion, a perfect spiral. Was it a catchable ball? Of course. I could catch it. Well, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely a catchable ball. KJ has to come up with that catch. And he will in the foreseeable future. But I, I place a little bit on that on Teddy Bridgewater as well. Get that ball out early. That should have been a running touchdown instead of a waiting touchdown. It should have been a running hit your head on the back of the pole, goal post type touchdown. So I, I placed a drop on both of them. And, and it's just unfortunate, man, because you, you look at that drop, you make that touchdown, and Judy doesn't maybe don't don't get hurt, you know? Yeah. Because Judy, Judy got hurt after that, after that drop. So, but that's football. I, I don't place, I don't, you know, do those type of things. Hey, what if, what if? No, it's football. But I'm just happy for Judy. Pray, you know, my prayers are out for the guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm hoping that he can come back. And, you know, a, a high ankle sprain is normally a four-game injury. You know, it could be four to six weeks, depending on how you heal. And the way he cuts and everything, you know, getting in and out of his breaks with that ankle, I could see it being a four-week you know, injury. But we have guys. We, you know, we have Tim Patrick. We have Cortland. We have Kate. We have guys who can play, who, who can, you know, still – could come out because of our death, come out and play very well. And on the other side, it's time, you know, certain got in the game. And I will admit the one thing that guys have to understand, he hyped, you know, everybody up in the preseason after making that pick six and, and playing very well in the preseason, he had everybody thinking, Oh, you know, here goes the next champ baby, you know, and then here goes the next great one and all that pump your brakes, Broncos country. He is a rookie, and I don't care who you are. As far as when you hit those stripes, when you get in between those lines, the game changes. What he saw in the preseason and, and the players that he saw in the preseason on the second team and, and, and some of those guys he played are not even on rosters anymore. <laughs> so this is a different brand of football. This is a different speed of football. And as you can see, week one, Shepard put it on him. You know, Shepard ran an over route. And, it, and, and to quite frankly, it's a route that, you know, corners can cover. It's a difficult route because he's running away from you the whole time. You know, it's called a deep over. But if Sertan takes the right angle and focuses on that upfield shoulder and just drives instead of peeking back at the quarterback and going low shoulder, he makes that tackle easy. It's an easy tackle for corners to make. I'm not saying he would have defended the catch. Now, the route is a tough route, but the tackle is an easy tackle. So if he makes the right angle, goes upfield, wraps his arm, and drives Shepard you know, out of bounds instead of going low shoulder and getting a little out of position, that's the only way Shepard would have scored. So those are things that he has to learn on the fly and you know, during the game. You don't necessarily learn that at practice because a lot of times you don't practice. I mean, you don't tackle at practice. But 
those are the things that he's going to have to learn during the game. He's going to have his ups and downs because believe you me, I'm telling you, when I was a rookie cornerback and, and I played as a rookie, I got some uh, some serious burn as far as some serious reps and, and opportunities. He's going to get the same thing, especially now he's moving into the starting lineup, you know, other than other opposite of Fuller. He's going to move into that right side. So it, he's going to just be ready, Broncos country, to say, you know, he, he's going to be up and down a little bit. But I guarantee you this, he's going to make some plays. He's going to make some wild plays, and he's going to help us tremendously in that secondary. Well, George Payton and Vic Fangio look, look super smart because I know a lot of phone calls were coming in to trade one of those corners, probably Darby or, or Fuller, and uh, they didn't do it. So that was a good move. Also, I want to go back to the catch, and I want to give K.J. Hamler just some mad respect what you talked about, we talked about that yesterday. You know, it takes two to tango. Teddy didn't throw the ball perfect, but it was a drop. KJ Handler, Hamler was not having any of that yesterday in the media. He took full responsibility for the drop. And I just love that about him. And I wonder Indeed. how much that relationship between him and Teddy and Teddy moving KJ's locker over by his uh, has to do with that. It, now he's got somebody that, can mentor him and kind of talk him through stuff. I think that's going to uh, do a lot for KJ Hamler. Oh, definitely. Well, and, and the biggest thing is this, is that Teddy understands and realizes that KJ is a guy who can really get open. He's an explosive guy. He's a guy who can get deep as well. And as you can see so far, we don't really attack the field deep that often. So we have to get better at that because Guy corners, good defenses are going to start sitting on those out routes and sitting on those crossing routes. We're going to have to attack the field deep more than we have in the past and, and, and going forward. So Teddy understands, hey, KJ, I'm going to need you because I got Cortland, I got Tim Patrick. Those are not really, really necessary explosive deep guys. Can they get deep? Yeah, they can get deep and use their size and body a guy and make great catches. That's how they would get deep. But as far as explosion deep plays, KJ is that guy. So, so Teddy is going to have to rely on him to get deep. He's going to rely on him to blow the top off of defenses. So to me, that was very, very smart of, of Teddy Bridgewater. And it was commendable to say, hey, after a big drop like that, move the guy next to me because we, we're about to do this thing together. And that you're talking about just something to rely on for a wide receiver to get confidence right away is when your quarterback say, I want this guy next to me because we're about to do some big things. KJ Hamler after a drop walked in the meeting room I guarantee you with his chest swolled up because he's like yeah. Yeah. this guy want me next to him I'm about to go to work and that's confidence that no, no one else can give you. The only the quarterback can give you that. That's kind of like Elway telling Rod Smith after we cut Anthony Miller, who was a perennial all-pro, mm -hmm. and we bring Rod Smith up, who's you know my best friend, bring Rod Smith up, and Elway said, hey, I'm coming at you just like I came to the all-pro. You know, when you talk about confidence, yeah. <laughs> that's big-time confidence, and that's what he just put into K.J. Hamler. So I'm expecting big things from K.J. coming up. Last thing, uh, week one, on the defensive side of the ball, Josie Jewell and A.J. Johnson, that uh, middle of the Denver Broncos defense, 
they looked pretty good. Now the Giants don't have one of those super pass catching tight ends like we're going to see in the AFC West, but they look good. Didn't have a lot of tackles. They didn't need to. That that front seven for the Broncos was was doing work. Malik they Reed came, came out had a great game. Yeah, yeah, that front seven man. I, I commend them. Those guys. For, for the first week, they came to play. I mean, mm-hmm. Von Miller was out of position a couple of times because I know Von, Von wanted to get to that quarterback because he knew it was there. He knew that quarterback was there for the picking. So he was trying to – that, that could have been an easily four-sack day for Von if the quarterback would have held the ball just a little longer. I don't know what the hell the line was doing for the Giants. They let Von go free one time, and then the other yeah. time they blocked each other. I'm like, hey – Look, I know Vaughn is good. I know he was that good to, to make you turn around and block your own teammate. But but nevertheless, he ended up with two sacks, played a good game. I, I don't say he played a great game because there was some couple of times he was out of position. And, and I know why he wanted to. He saw that he could get a sack, let the quarterback around the edge a couple of times. He, he missed out on contain. But all in all, he had a lot of pressures. He had two sacks, played a great game for his first game back. And it was good to see him back. 5-8 was back and, and causing havoc, reaping hand. And that's what they want. And, and the, the linebacking core, man, I was impressed with those guys. Like you said, they didn't make a lot of tackles, but they didn't have to. But what they did do, there, there's a thing that's called feel and, and, and flow. And they did that very well, meaning when the ball was coming front side, they filled their gaps and made the ball go elsewhere. And some of the alignment got tackles. And when the ball was going away from them, they kept backside. They flowed down the line of scrimmage. So that if that running back tried to cut back, they were right there. So they stayed in position. So a lot of times you won't see a linebacker make tackles, but it's, their position is important when you are filling the gap or when you are flowing backside, because you have seen several games where running backs start one way and cut back and end up bouncing it outside and going for six. That's because a linebacker didn't do his job. So since we did not see any of that, that means our linebackers were in great position to make their plays. And then they came up with a big fumble. You know, when the, I think the tight end caught the ball or something, I think it was the tight end caught the ball. You got one guy hit him, the other guy strip him. That, that is teamwork, and that's linebackers coming to play. And then the biggest thing on that was 5'9", hustling to get that fumble. You're talking about somebody that came about six yards away, dove on the ground, put his head in there, was not worried about anything as far as getting injured. He was going after that ball. So with that being said, that was a big-time play by the linebackers. The cool thing about watching Malik Reed right now is – he re- reminds me a lot of Shaq Barrett when he started playing early on with the Broncos, not the Shaq Barrett that he evolved into when he was with Tampa, because obviously that he's another level right now. But Malik Reed looks like he's going to have a long career in the NFL, that's for sure. Yeah, he's a hustle guy. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that you look at. <clears throat> Even with Shaq, I was, I was there broadcasting for the Broncos with Shaq and had him on my radio show every week and got to know him and got to talk to him. He's a guy that just did not have any, any, any. When you talk about attitudes or egos or anything like that, he just wanted to play. And, and that's what I see it in 5'9 as well. He wants to play. And, and when you got a guy who is talented but has no ego and has no when, – when you talk about 
walking out on the field and, and, and looking around and worried about this, worried about that. He's not worried about anything but playing football. He wants to play football. He wants to play fast. He wants to play hard. And that's where the similarities of him and Shaq are. Both of those guys will put their bodies on the line. They don't care. They just want to get on the field and perform. And when you have that, you can place a guy in a number of different positions and be okay because you know whether he's going to perform that position a thousand percent better than anyone else, you can guarantee he will perform it a thousand percent faster and harder. And that's, and that's what that's about. So let's move on to the, the Jags game this week. The Jacksonville Jaguars are coming off a beat down by another team. That's not so good in the Houston Texans. Some of us local people are rooting for Philip Lindsay, but we're definitely not rooting uh, for the Texans to win a game. You kind of really don't care, but it looks like urban Meyer was trying to get Trevor Lawrence killed in his first game in the NFL, had him drop back 51 times. Only, I think they had 16 rushes for the entire game for like, it looks like 80 yards or so. it, it was, it was just a horrible, horrible game plan. Uh, Urban Myers under some heavy heat already in Jacksonville. I think that started after quarter number one on Sunday, the Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of trying to figure out what they are right now. And a lot of people are down on urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, which I don't know how he could be down on Trevor Lawrence. He's he <laughs> dropping a rookie quarterback back 51 times is not a recipe for success. No, not at all. Uh, and, and even if you're Peyton Manning, that's still not a recipe for success. I mean, with a guy as smart as he was, you saw what his rookie year looked like when he dropped back that many times, as far as the interceptions and things of that nature, it's never smart to put a rookie quarterback and drop him back 51 times the first game out. I don't care who you're playing. You could have been playing the Baylor Bears and it wouldn't have been smart. But at the end of the day, Urban looks lost, man. He, he, he looks lost. And it all started with him, you know, with, with his hiring of his coaching staff. He, he took mm -hmm. some heat from that. And then bringing Tebow in, you know, his homeboys. I, look, I'm not even looking at it as a player coach. He brought his homeboy in. You know, and 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 try to give him a job. So you look at that, and just overall, man, he just looks lost in the NFL. And a lot of times, I, I hate to say it, sometimes those college coaches they come up to the NFL, and it's a different brand of player that you're dealing with. Even though a lot of those guys may be guys similar to the guys you coached in college, they're not in college anymore. They're grown ass men. You got to approach them differently. You got to coach them differently. You have to talk to them differently. They're not on scholarship. They're making more money than you most of the time. So it's one of those things where relatability comes in. You, you really have to take a step back and say, I'm not the end all be all like I was in college. You know, those players in college, quite frankly, are trying to get to the next level. So they fear the head coach because the head coach really, really has a lot to do with their future as far as if they make it, if they don't make it, if I don't play, things of that nature. Well, when you're in the NFL, it's a whole different ball game. These guys don't fear you the same. So relatability, your message has to be different. The way you get it off and the way you, you know, carry it over to those players has to be different. And the respect is different. They don't respect you as a coach until you show that you 
are worthy to be respected on this level. I mean, you have to come in and show them that you have a game plan and you have to show them that you have an understanding of players and you can relate. And until he does that, it's going to be tough. And right now, I don't think he's doing that. I mean, it's obvious. You look at those players. Like I said, bringing Tebow in, I think, was a big strike for him. I really do. I'm not going to say that players stop trusting him or, or stop respecting him because of it. But I will tell you this. We are not done. We are players, and we can see straight through some bullshit <laughs> other than, you know, some real stuff. We know what it looks like, and that was some BS. You know, that was some BS to bring a guy in who, who from day one, I'm, I guarantee you those players, day one, looked at Tebow and said, okay, it only took one practice for me to know this is some bull jive. You know, so I think with that being said, he has to earn those guys back somehow, some way, and he hasn't done that yet. So Urban Meyer, well, to your point, Nick Saban. Saw, came, I got a slight cold here. I'm trying to fight through it. <laughs> no, you're good to go. So Nick Saban didn't make it in the NFL, probably the best college uh, coach of all time. He came back to college this week, USC fired their coach and then there's rumors that they want urban meyer and they might kind of, maybe they're starting a courtship already urban meyer didn't come out and address the media on wednesday he didn't do the weekly call and he's kind of i won't say he's dodging it he's just not answering the question you as a player if you're in the locker room and you have a coach doing something like that how does that make you feel or do you not even care at all um, quite frankly, right now, you don't really care because at the end of the day, I mean, he's your coach and, and you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure out what we're doing and, and why we suck so bad right now. You're trying to see if they're going to make some, some different changes. But I will say in the back of your mind, it will probably interest you a little bit because they know and they understand how coaches are, especially a college coach who walked up to the, to the league and all of a sudden they got a, a great job like USC comes available, you know, I'm, I'm quite sure in the back of their minds, they're like, man, he, 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 he probably would rather have that job right now. But as far as whether it's going to bother you or not, nah, it wouldn't bother you at all because at the end of the day, he's your coach. He's getting paid a lot of money and, and you have to get it together right now. You can't even worry about that. You know, that's, that's a, an anxiety type worry. You know, with uh, Trevor Lawrence game one, just, you know, dropping back so many times, not utilizing the run game, which is kind of crazy to me. You got a veteran in Carlos Hyde there. You could have easily given him the ball 20 times. I don't know. Did you ever play against David Carr when he was with the Texans? I forget the years he was there, but I feel like the Houston Texans kind of ruined him. <laughs> like, uh, like, for sure. For sure. I, I didn't play against David Carr. Uh, but I did witness that that beatdown that he took of uh, 12,000, 1,500 sacks that he took, whatever it was. Yeah, they, they did. They ruined the guy. The guy was a good talent, and, and he was one of those guys who could really deliver the ball anywhere, make any throw. Great, great talent. But when you get your head beat in 
Let me tell you, man, it is not fun. I, it just period. There's a lot of quarterback. You can go way back from to the Keeley Smith days when I played, you know, guys like that, that got, you know, Cincinnati just allowed him to get his head beat mm -hmm. in. I mean, it's tough, man. I, I don't care who you are, especially the way it was back then. It's different now. The quarterback can drop back 51 times. He may get hit twice, really good hits, you know. Back then when Carr and Akili Smith and all those guys that they was throwing out to the fire, they was taking shots. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't these pity pat hits. David Carr took some real – I'm surprised that he could even speak on TV right now. He took some <laughs> real shots. And, and you know, he, so with that being said, it was a different, you know, brand of, of football back then. So the only, the only good part I would say for Trevor is that he won't take those type of shots because we can't really touch them right now. You know, we blow on the helmet. You know, it's a flag. If you blow on the, the, the lower level, it's a flag. You know, if you grab his knee, it's, so that within itself will, will help him and save him a little bit because he won't take the shots that those old school quarterbacks took. But it's still not a good idea to drop him back 51 times. Just not a good idea. So moving on, uh, game this week, Ronald Darby's out. Jerry Judy's out. They said three weeks on Judy, but everyone I've talked to said those high ankle sprains are just nasty. And for a guy like Judy, it's probably more like a five to six weekend injury. But the injury report yesterday, Glasgow didn't play. He had an illness. Shamar Stevens didn't play. Bradley Chubb limited. Shelby Harris limited. Those are the two that make you raise your antenna but Noah Fant was a full practice full go for Noah Fant so you got Noah you got uh Alberto it looks like this weekend going on the offense but for you know Broncos fans we want to see Bradley Chubb line up opposite Avon Miller that's of what course. we want we've been waiting for that for a long time it happened Bradley's rookie year and he learned and then you know it's injury to Vaughn injury to Bradley and we haven't seen that yet uh, this year, Shelby Harris, he's one of those guys where, you know, he's going to go. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And, and it's one of those things, like I said, it's one of those things that, that for Broncos country, I, I'm glad we have the schedule we have. We have a light schedule the first, you know, two or three games. So it's one of those games that it, it schedules that gives us time to get everybody ready and to get those guys in, in the right position and playing together. But Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, I mean, whenever it happens, it's going to be a sight to see. They're going, they're both going to be ready to go. But I just like what Denver is doing defensively all together. I mean, losing Darby is going to hurt a little bit. I mean, it's going to hurt a lot, actually, because it, it, it moves things around. Now, you know, you have to use Pat Sertain at the right corner instead of moving him inside and being able to move him around a little bit. But I, I, they'll be ready. They'll be able to hold that off. And the schedule, once again, helps us with that on both sides of the ball. I think we got plenty of depth at wide receiver. Missing Judy is big because uh, he was going to be a big-time guy, and he already showed that in the first game, that, that he's a get-open type guy. So we're going to miss him there. But we have depth there with Tim Patrick and those guys. So I, I think we're ready to go. The schedule permits us to – to be in this position, you know, playing Jacksonville. So, man, I, I'm looking forward to being 2-0. and you, you look at the rest of the AFC West, they got some tough battles out there. You know, they got some tough battles out there. 
you can count on, I, I'm thinking probably two of those teams will lose. You know, when, when you got, I think Pittsburgh is playing who? Um, we got the Raiders at Pittsburgh this week. We got yeah, yeah, the Raiders. City I think Pittsburgh, the Raiders game is a throw, you know, it's kind of one of those throw up games where you just toss the quarter up as a heads or tails game. But it's going to be a tough battle. Either way, it's going to be a tough battle. I think Pittsburgh can beat the Raiders. So there, there might be a loss there. And then in Kansas City and Baltimore, you look at Kansas City and Baltimore, that's another game that just looking at what, what Kansas City did week one. I mean, mm-hmm. Cleveland got up on them. They came back and won the game. But Cleveland, you know, exposed them a little bit. Now, they're going to get their safety back. Tyron Matthew, he didn't play. They get him back in the secondary. But it's going to be a tough game, too. So you just look at the guys, and then San Diego – I mean, uh, Los Angeles Chargers are playing the Cowboys, you know, so it, that's going to be a tough game for them as well. So for us, it's a game that we should come out 2-0, and and those other guys, you know, somebody will be 2-0, and but somebody will be 1-1. One one. So it's going to be one of those confident games for us because whenever you win in the NFL, it builds confidence, and I'm looking forward to us being 2-0 and this week. I don't think Urban Meyer is going to get it together in one week and if it does, man, I'm going to be very, very disappointed in the Broncos. So this AFC West, I'm with you. I think the Steelers will beat the Raiders. Man, you know, KC, Baltimore, I just wish they were both full speed because I think KC is going to kind of coast in that one. Here's the one that I'm really interested in because we watched Monday Night Football. Zeke Elliott didn't get much play because of that Tampa defense. You just can't run against them like that, but they're going against the chargers this week, which it'll probably look like a totally different team, probably more uh, balanced on running and passing this week for the Cowboys. That's a, that's a tough game for the chargers. That's going to be a really tough game for them. Uh, and it's one of those games where I feel it's going to be a tough game for the Cowboys, the Cowboys mm-hmm. secondary, you know, I think Keenan Allen and those guys will, will really get open against the Cowboys secondary. So it's going to be something where, the game has to be balanced because you don't want to put Urban and those guys out against the Cowboys secondary many times. So the Cowboys would definitely have to do some ground control just to control the clock and to keep that offense off the field from the Chargers. So they definitely have to change up what they did the first game. And they will, I think, as far as Zeke. Zeke is still the running back that he's capable of being. He just didn't get any opportunities, and the Cowboys would, would definitely rectify that this week. So it's going to be a tough game, but it's still a toss-up game. The Chargers still can lose that game. I, I really believe that. Uh, so I think there'll be the uh, the Broncos and the Chiefs will probably come out of there two and zero, and I think the other teams will come out one and one. To be honest, you know, you being a defensive back, you probably have a little bit of a love for Derwin James with the Chargers. I, just a guy that is just see as far as talent goes ceiling is it you know and coming back this year i think that's going to be something for the chargers this year to help stop that run game too having him back this year definitely Duran james chris harris those guys over there they got yeah of course defense i mean they they got players in that secondary so i'm 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 excited to see them play i saw them play last week and and you compare the Broncos secondary to the Chargers secondary, I, I do think that those are probably the two best secondaries in the AFC West. You know, and, and you saying that uh, Chris Harris Jr. being a Charger as a Bronco fan, that still stings a little bit when you say that. <laughs> hey, 
Life goes on. Get over it, Broncos <laughs> country. We we got what we got. Let's get ready to get this win this week. <laughs> well, hey man, it's been a great first show. I really appreciate it with you. Um, you did, do you want to give a prediction on this Broncos Jags game? Man, I uh, I'm gonna say Broncos probably twenty eight to seven. I don't think the Jaguars, like I said, are going to get it together this week. And, and even with our injuries in the secondary and that wide receiver, I, we have plenty of depth. I think we are very formidable there. And I just don't think Urban Meyer has a clue. I don't think they know what they're doing. I, it just does for them to get all of those, that together in one week, you know, as far as scheme wise, as far as player wise, as far as culture, it's a lot to get together in one week. So I think they're going to struggle, and I think the Broncos should should hand these guys a, a good, formidable, look, ass-kicking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. I think the Broncos are going to score into the 30s, and maybe the uh, the Jags might be uh, limp in with, like, 10 points. So I'll go, like, 31 to 10 on this. So, Ray, do you want people to follow you on social? What's your social? Like, what's your Twitter? What's your Insta? Like, what do you, my what's Twitter, your go-to? My Twitter is at slickpick639, at slickpick639. And my Instagram is just croc39. Yes, I want everybody to follow me. I'm trying to get followers. This is, look, I'm new to the social media gig. I, I really didn't do it in the past, but I'm starting now. So send it out. Tell everybody to follow at slickpick639 and get your, look, get the real heat straight with no chaser on Twitter. Yeah, and I, I caught you trolling Dan Orlovsky today on Twitter and that slick pick six, six is spelled out. Yeah. 39. So That's let's get that right. 639. Yeah. And you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, all of it at Chris Braden Live. I know that's boring and simple, but whatever. That's what I'm <laughs> it doing. It is what it is. Let's go, Broncos Country. Let's be 2 and 0 next week on the next show. Good stuff, Ray. Thank you. All right, baby. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube